Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 58. Hey, this is Steve Sims, author of Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. And if you want to knock down the doors in your life, you should be listening to Build Your Network with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first... If you're listening to this, then there's a good chance that you're serious about building your network. If that's you, and only if you're serious, you should definitely check out my Facebook group, Build Your Network Beta. If you want more personal engagement, proven connection strategies and tactics, and some awesome giveaways like shopping sprees, Beats headphones, etc., etc., then head on over to byn.media forward slash FB to join the group, or you can search Facebook groups for Build Your Network Beta and join there. And once you do, please be sure to introduce yourself and say what's up, and I will catch you there.
And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Steve Sims. Steve is an ugly kid from the outskirts of London who wasn't born into the world of luxury, but certainly holds his place there now. As the founder of Bluefish, one of the top personal concierge services and an expert marketer within the luxury industry, Steve has been quoted in various publications, including the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, London's Sunday Times, South China Morning Post, and many more. He's been on TV and has been a speaker at a variety of networks works, groups, and associations, as well as the Pentagon and Harvard twice. Want to sing with your favorite rock star, be serenaded by Andrea Bocelli, walk the red carpet at A-list Oscar parties, get married in the Vatican, dive to the wreck of the Titanic. These are just a few highlights of what Steve provides for his clients. He makes the impossible possible. An entrepreneur in the truest sense of the word, Steve is well regarded within the luxury world for his innovation and down-to-earth personality. Known for his honesty, integrity, and doing things his way, Steve creates experiences for his clients that they could never have imagined being possible. Steve, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I picked up a copy of your book last week, and I didn't put it down until I was done like a day later. So a lot of great stuff in there. Super excited to have you. Why don't you go ahead and expound a little bit on that intro and tell us more about yourself? Wow, how can I? My clients call me a blunt instrument, so I'm basically, I would class myself as an an educated man, but I definitely believe school had nothing to do with that. I've just become the man that can. Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine called me the real-life Wizard of Oz. I'm (laughs) there for people with dreams and passions and checkbooks that match. So, and knowing the intro and in your book, you talk about this in the intro, I said, taking things that most people think are impossible, making them possible. So that begs the question to me, do you think that anything like literally anything is possible if you can find a way to make it happen? Oh my God. The classic line is only impossible until someone does it. Hmm. So it's something that where you've just figured out a way to make things happen when other people can't make things happen. What got you into that? I know you have an incredible story. You started out just uh, working labor with your dad and stuff like that. Can you walk us through that, that whole little transition where it was like, hey, I'm doing this because I feel like I have to, but I hate it and now I want to do something different. Yeah, my dad was a bricklayer. And so I left school at the age of 15. The following day, I was on the building site and I just kind of thought, really, is this it? And so... I just questioned things and I was ignorant to luxury. I was ignorant to the precociousness around it. Hmm. So I was just a nosy little Irish kid walking around London, just going, well, why is that so important? And why can't people get into that party? And why can't, so I was the why kid and I've never stopped being that way. So my mentality has always been not so much doing the impossible, but basically doing, doing it and not seeing it as impossible. And that's the main thing. And that's how I grew. My mentality has never changed. And so I, from a bricklaying background, knowing that I didn't want to be there, I just tried to get any job I could to get me one step away from being a bricklayer. And so I tried every job that wasn't fit for me. Every mistake and failure I could get, I got. Every way I could fall down, I did. And I just carried on like that. And that's my education. I love that story because you didn't really have a plan. And I remember reading in the book, you were (laughs) talking about how you were up at the top of this project you guys are working on. And you looked down and you just saw like generations of your family working on this project together. And just something inside you was like, wait a second if I don't change something, that's going to be me. And I do not want to do that. And so at that point, you're just like, you know what, I'm done. And I don't really know what the next step is. I, you know, left school at 15. I don't have a degree. I don't have all these other things in place, but I know it's not here and I'm going to go try to figure it out. And I think that's so important because especially now, everybody, don't get me wrong. I think planning is a good thing. You know, I'm not saying don't plan anything, just go do whatever you want. But 
I think that people waste so much time trying to plan the perfect thing that they never take that action. And then all of a sudden they fast forward 10, 15 years and they're in the same spot because they never took any action to get out of that spot. And sometimes it's good just to be like, you know what? I don't really have a plan, but I know that this isn't going to work for me. So I'm going to go find something that does. And I absolutely love that about your story. And talking about the impossible possible thing, I love this one rephrase that you talk about. And I wonder if you can expound a little bit on that and then give us an example of how you've been able to do this for a client, but you talk about the mindset shift that goes from stop saying that this can't be done and start asking, how can it be done? I love that. Just that little tweak in your mindset to just say, you know what, this can't be done. You know, like I want to meet whoever it may be. And then, but that's impossible. There's so many people I'm, I'm too unimportant, whatever. Stop thinking that way and start thinking, well, how can I, if it were possible, how would I be able to make that happen? So can you expand on that a little bit and then give us a story about how you did that for a client? I'm absolutely flabbergasted and pleased because if people weren't like this, I'd be out of a job. I am stunned how many people will be in a party and you can do it. You can try this as a little social experiment and just go, hey, who would you like to hang out with? And they will tell you what they want to do. I want to meet so-and-so or I want to you know, hang out with this or I want to do this. And then nanoseconds after that, it'll be, oh, but I can't because I don't have enough money. I don't have the connections. They will go into a flurry of energy while giving you 30,000 excuses why it can't be done rather than one excuse why it should be. And I am stunned that they will spend that energy convincing themselves and almost trying to convince you why it's out of that range rather than just going, I want to do this. Let me now use my energy to make it happen. And I've had people come to me and they've gone, oh, I want to do this. And it's always diluted. Because in the sober hours of day, most people don't want to be humiliated or laughed at by telling you what their dream is. So they come to you and they go, oh, I'd really like to uh, you know, just, just meet someone. And we had a client come to me, great guy, and I hope he doesn't mind me using this example. And he came to me and he said, oh, I want to meet the rock band Journey. And I was like, okay, why do you want to do that? Oh, you know, I, I, just, I just really like him. Okay. Well, was there any, is there anything more to that? You know, and you just got to keep quizzing. You end up becoming a therapist. And as the story went on, it turned out that he's now very successful. But when he wasn't, when he was at college, he was the lead singer of a cover band. Now, he was sleeping on a mate's couch. He went through breakups, you know, near broke, all those kind of things like all of us do. And all the way through this, Journey was there. So basically, the rock band Journey was theme tunes to certain chapters of his life. And I said to him, that's a big story. This is your soundtrack to your movie. Are you telling me that when you just walk up to him backstage and shake their hand, that's going to do it? And he was like, uh. So what we did was we actually got him up on stage and he sang four tunes live with the entire band on stage in San Diego. Wow. He is now deemed as the shortest term lead singer of the rock band Journey. <laughs> And so what we had to do was we just had to pick to find out where the fuel was behind the request. Hmm. Because I've had people come to me and they've given me requests and it's because they want to show off at work or they want to, you know, get a photograph so they can use it on their media page to promote a product. That's an empty passion. There's no drive behind that. Right. You hit someone's hot button and they'll sell their firstborn to make it happen. 
Yeah, right, right, right. That, and there was one in there that I really want to hear a little bit more details on because it was really intriguing to me. So you made this guy James Bond for a weekend. Can you talk about that one? <laughs> I, got, I got this wife contact me one day and she said that every single birthday that she's ever had, this gal got out on a limb and just gone crazy <laughs> on doing stuff for her. She wants to do something for him. So in chatting with her, we found out that one of his passions while you know, she thought it was quite childish, was James Bond. And there's nothing childish about James Bond. He's a no, hero. not at all. <laughs> exactly. So she said about kind of like, well, why don't we give him some kind of James Bond experience? Would he like to go to kind of like GoldenEye? Or would he like to go to a hotel that was featured in a James Bond movie? Or would he like to, I don't know, drive an Aston Martin? And as we got talking about it over the period of a month, we thought, well, hang on a minute. Let's make him James Bond. So I actually got a, a Hollywood writer to write up a storyboard of him being 008, where he was going back into active field service and had to go through some training. And some of the old uh, enemies and nemesis actually came out of the woodwork knowing that he was coming back in the field service. So we actually put an entire experience together for about five days where he was down in Monaco. And at one stage, actually got kidnapped onto a boat and then was rescued by uh, military so that he could escape to Russia. So we made this whole plot where he was 008 for a period of five days. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. <laughs> That's so fantastic. How much like pre-work goes into that, like to be able to set that up? Because you're at that point, you have to like hire, well, you hire the writer, but then you also have to hire like actors and stuff like that, right? Well, all the actors and everything, they're the icing. So you've got to get the plot and the substance right. Once you know that, you know, like Fargan would say, when he got kidnapped in Saint-Tropez, the entire restaurant was our actors. 
You know, because if oh, you wow. suddenly burst into a restaurant and try kidnapping someone, you may get <laughs> yeah. someone in there that goes, hey, I'm a hero for a day. I'm going to dive in and rescue him. <laughs> so we had to make sure that everyone in the restaurant was ours. Right. Everyone on the street was ours. The police were notified. So there's a lot more detail behind it that you don't see. Wow. We just needed to make sure we got the substance and the structure right first and then add the ice into it. And that's so awesome. And there's so many different stories. And if you want to find out more of some of the other stories and stuff that Steve has, he's got a plethora of them. Go check out his book, Blue Fishing. You can buy it on Amazon. Highly recommend it. It's worth the read. It's pretty quick if you sit down and just go through it. So highly recommend picking that up. He has some more stories in there. But now, Steve, we're going to go ahead and talk, since this is Build Your Network podcast, we're going to talk about building relationships with people. And I know that that is basically at the very core of your business. And so you've basically built this whole business on how to make things happen. But Typically, what I've found is that people are the key to making things happen. And if you know the right person, then that person will be able to make something happen that another person might not have been able to make happen. Or they, this person will say it's impossible, but then you talk to this other person, they're like, oh yeah, I can do that right now. You know? And so I'm sure you have a lot of fantastic insights in this particular realm. So I want to kind of start talking about that. And the first question I have for you is one that I ask everybody that comes on the show. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? I'm trying to be subtle and polite, but it's the only thing that matters. Everyone's focused on Bitcoin at the moment. The only currency I care about is relationships. You're right. If someone says no, you're asking the wrong person. Hmm. I have gone out of my way to make sure that I am crystal clear and impossible to misunderstand to everyone that I talk with. So they know what I'm after, what's in it for them, and why they should be engaged in this relationship. Now, somewhere along the line, there's going to be a payment made. But the payment, the invoice in the charges are always secondary to actually the relationship and the point. If you walk up to like the academia and you say, hey, I want you to close down tomorrow because I want to open up a dinner party for six people at the feet of Michelangelo's David. Oh, and by the way, I have Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade them during dinner. How much is it going to cost? They'll hang the phone up on you. So it's the relationships that are key to getting the doors open, the important doors. Right, 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 right. So you have so many stories, and I know that. Can you pull out one specific story where you were trying to make something happen, but it just wasn't working, and then you made a connection with somebody, and they just opened the door wide open for you? Yeah, I can, I'll embellish on what I just spoke about. The um, I had a client that wanted to have a dinner party in Florence, and he wanted an exclusive restaurant. And if anyone's ever been to Tuscany, you know that doesn't exist. You know, the whole point of Tuscany is it's family style. That's why it's so beautiful. So we had to give him something that didn't really exist. So we took over the academia and we had a dinner party at the feet of Michelangelo's David. And I thought that what I wanted to do was I wanted to see if I could get Andrea Bocelli to come in and serenade the clients. So I contacted what I thought was a more senior person and closer to the family. Actually turned out to be one of his agents. And I got the usual kind of like, oh, well, yeah, great. That sounds wonderful. You see, agents are there for two reasons, to say no or charge you three times more than what you offered. <laughs> Those are the only two roles of an agent. And if you get hold of an agent, then you're spinning your wheels or going in circles. I knew this wasn't going anywhere, especially when they turned around. They said, yeah, we'll come back to you. They didn't say my name, phone number, or email address. And so I'd been working with the Vatican. So I phoned up the Vatican, and I said, look, I've got to ask you, have you ever dealt with Andre Bocelli? And uh, the lady that I was dealing with at the Vatican said, yes, he's been here many times. And I went, you couldn't do me a favor. 
give him a phone call and let him know that uh, I'm for real and I need to chat with him because I'd love him to do this. And so she did. So I used a relationship that I had credibility with to contact a relationship I didn't have yet to build and start the credibility. And if you've got someone that you admire and respect contact you about a third party, then you go in very warm. And as it was, I got a phone call from the Bocelli camp saying, we got a call from the Vatican. Would you like us there at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock? Hmm. I love what you talk about in the book and they're laced throughout your stories about creating win-win situations because I think that's one missing piece for a lot of people is is there they go into it thinking like I'm there's no way this person's going to agree with this and so they think it's impossible because they're like what do I have to offer this you know I know like that one you're talking about in the book about getting a signed guitar from Maroon 5 and most people would go into that thinking well they have nothing you know they have nothing to gain or benefit from. So why would they do anything for me? And so it's always about trying to find what that win-win is going to be and then implementing it. Can you talk about creating win-win situations and some strategies that you found that help you to be able to find out what people want? Yeah, and again, we you've just used the example. So many people are concentrating on why it shouldn't, shouldn't happen rather than why it should. So I never ask a question that I can get the answer no unless no is the answer I want. So the first thing is position you ask. Whenever you contact someone, they already know you're contacting them because you're on the bloody phone with them. They straight away know you want something because you're on the phone with them. Tell them why you want something from them, but then quickly, within five or six seconds, say, hey, I need this to happen, or I'm looking for this to happen, but the reason I'm contacting you is because I hear you have a book, I hear you have a project, I hear you have a charity, a foundation, a cause, and I have a way that I think could be very beneficial to you. Do you mind if I go into that further? Hmm. And you've told him straight away, hey, I, I want to speak to you about getting a signed guitar, but I realize that you've got this. Straight away, you're telling them why you're on the phone. You want to get them engaged, and you want to get a conversation, which uncannily is a two-way thing. You speak, they speak. You speak, and too many people are losing that now. So quickly tell them why you're on the phone, gets the butterflies out of their stomach, makes it very clear, oh, he's after a signed guitar, but hang on a minute. He's got an angle for my charity. All right, I'll listen. Yeah. Give him a reason to keep you on the phone. I often say putting your foot in the door, getting your foot in the door is dead easy. Being so impossible to resist that they never want you to leave, that's the secret sauce. Hmm. Do you find – like, do you have any tips for getting past the gatekeeper or do you typically try to find the secret entrance? Like instead of going through the agent or the assistant or whatever, do you try to find a way that to just bypass that whole wall and just go through a different way? Or do you have different strategies for talking to a gatekeeper that's being you know, really stubborn to get into that door? Oh, a conversation with a gatekeeper is easy. It's called click. Just bloody hang up. You're, you're spinning your wheels in mud. It's a waste of time. Nine times out of ten, these people have their head up their ass. There's so much ego mm. that they basically refuse you. And the agent, as we've already expressed, is there to say no or charge you three times more than you offer. And I'm in Hollywood, so trust me, there's a million agents that bloody hate me, but I couldn't give a <laughs> So what you should do is, first of all, research. So who you want to go should be laser target focused. So if you're after someone, especially in the media eye, 
Then research, what are they interested in? Cars, foundations, horses, whatever. Find out what they're interested in and get in the same room. Hmm. Now, you may find out that they support a local charity. Go to the charity gala. Go to the charity and say, hey, I hear you have so-and-so as one of your supporters. Do you not really like to work with that person? Would you be open to a charitable donation to make the introduction? Charities love making money. Now, agents get 10%. Charities get all of it. Hmm. So it's much more interesting for a charity to take the money than the agent to. And the other thing is charities will work harder for you to make the deal happen. So just try and find out what they're interested in and then make offers to find out how to get in that area and try and bump into them. I have bumped into hundreds of people by careful planning just to make sure I'm at that bar, I'm on that room, I'm at the table next to them. Millions of times just to be able to go, oh, hey, my name's Steve. I hear you're interested in Porsche. I love Porsche. Why are Porsche so spectacular to you? You know, get people talking about what they love. You know, I've gone up to people and I've said, oh, I, I didn't I see you on a cooking show. I've never figured you for a cook. Is that what you like to do? You know, and just... Get them talking about things they like talking about before you dive in with, oh, can I have a signed guitar? You know, so <laughs> just be smart and be strong. And I've had clients afterwards. These are now clients of mine that have turned around and gone, did we bump into it? And especially since this book has come out, I've had a few people go, we bumped into each other. Was that planned? <laughs> and I've gone, whoa. Do you want it to be planned or should we just pretend it was just, uh, you know, karma? Yeah. yeah, it was just coincidence. I don't want to leave anything to luck. If I want to be in front of someone, I'm going to make sure I know where they're standing. Hmm. Um, there's so many insights when we're telling stories like that. It's hard to just pick one or two things out, but I'm really interested to hear your answer to this question. Who, through all of your travels in business for the last couple of decades, who do you think is like the most interesting or influential person that you've been able to meet? I've got to give you two names then, because you said interesting and influential, okay? So I'm going to go interesting. I would go with probably Jean-Paul de Jouria. Hmm. The guy has such a background. If you don't know about his background, yeah. uh, I'm not going to go into it now. Google his history. The guy slept in dry cleaning stores. Yeah. One of the most real and authentic, and I'll tell you the story. I bumped into him many years ago, and the funny thing is, me and my wife, she used to work in a hairdresser's in England when okay. Paul Mitchell was in this hairdresser's. And it was the first luxury product brand that me and my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, ever bumped into. I remember her coming back to the apartment going, oh, this is from America. It's really fancy stuff. And I was like, oh, great. You know, I didn't give a damn. Uh, <laughs> But it was the way they marketed, and you've seen the Paul Mitchell brand, everyone mm -hmm. has. Yep. The way they marketed has been beautiful. And it was one of the first luxury brands. And when I bumped into to JP, I actually said to him, I hadn't planned to be there. I was at an event. I didn't know he was going to be at the event. I was actually outside getting some coffee, and so was he. And I went, oh, hey, how are you? I said, being here, I want to tell you this little bit of a story. And he went, I'm sorry, I've just got to go and drop this off. He said, another time? And I went, yeah, sure. I thought to myself, hang on, you know, he's obviously doing something. He doesn't want to chat with me. Fair enough, okay? Right. I was getting my coffee, and he comes back and puts his hand on my shoulder, and he went, right, I'm ready now. Tell me that story. Huh. 
And I just thought, who would have done that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, anyone that's listening to this on the podcast, I'm not the warmest, fuzziest, most approachable looking guy. <laughs> so the fact that JP actually came back and did that, we ended up sitting down for bloody ages chatting away he's very interesting i love his social needle yeah i yeah. love what he sees value in the guy is one of those top entrepreneurs that you should look into further mm-hmm. does not shout but is definitely influential and i think just amazing on how he communicates networks and builds up a community around him one of the most influential people has to be elon Elon Musk has now you don't see Elon kind of walking red carpets. You don't see Elon Musk kind of like, you know, doing showboat stuff, jumping on the media all the time. He's a doer. He's not a whoa. This is a guy that turns around and says, well, there's a problem there. Not let's find a solution. Let's look at whether or not there should be a problem there in the first place. (laughs) There's so many people, so many people spend so much time engineering engines to run smoother faster more stronger he looked at it and went why should the engine be like that right right you know we remove so many problems if it has no moving parts let's make it electric and bear in mind everyone laughs at elon elon has been the butt of people's jokes for years and one of his biggest laughers was now his biggest bloody client nasa yeah yeah, so true. I yeah, was so just talking want, to somebody if about you that. Want influence, it's got to be Elon. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody about Elon the other day w- w- after they did that unveiling of the new Roadster and the semi truck and stuff. The truck, yeah. yeah. We were talking about that, and literally, I said that to somebody. What you just said about how we've been innovating the car engine, the gasoline engine, for seventy years, and then everybody's goal has always just been like, how do we make that better? How do we innovate here? How do we solve this problem with that? And then Elon Musk just looked at him and went, well, why don't we just do it differently (laughs) and harness a more powerful form of energy and use that? (laughs) And then he just did it. So it's incredible. I love both of those stories. And with John Paul too, I just read about his, like a full version of his story in Millionaire Success Habits by Dean Graziosi. And it was an incredible story to me because I come from a door-to-door sales background. So my background's heavy in door-to-door sales. And that's how John Paul LaJoria started with it was his brand. With He was selling door-to-door some random product just to raise capital to start a business. And then when he started his business, he started going business to business to business to business, to hair salon, to hair salon, to hair salon, knocking on the door, asking for the manager, selling his stuff, and now multi-billion dollar company. And the crazy thing to me about those guys is they're always constantly looking for more. You know? Like... Like if I were Elon Musk and I sold PayPal for a billion dollars when I was like 28 years old, I would be like, all right, well, see ya. (laughs) I'm headed to, you know, Bali for the rest of my life and my beach house or something. But the guy just like keeps innovating and keeps making the world a better place. So I love both of those examples. Both of those times that you met those two people, Steve, were those on purpose meetings or were they truly on accident? Well, I'm going to digress quickly and give a big big shout-out to my boy Dino there. Dean Graciosi is a phenomenal character, and if no one's looked up Dean Graciosi, you should. This guy is incredibly sharp, incredibly humble, and an A-class guy. So big shout-out to Dean. Fantastic book, too. Yeah, yeah, I love the boy. He's a friend of mine. I like him, and I'm proud to be able to call him that. So, yeah, no, Elon, no, that wasn't casual. That was a strategic because I was doing an event with Peter Diamandis, and it was at SpaceX, and we arranged for Mr. Musk to actually be there. So that was not 
a just bump into that was very much for strategic, but it was also a very heavily pre-planned event. And again, that was one of those things where we used credibility from others to make sure he would attend. Yeah. Regarding uh, JP, JP was a complete off the wall. But you know, and this goes back to the old saying, you know, the more you practice, the luckier you get. Yeah. If you're hanging in the right rooms, you're amazed at who you bump into. Right. Right. And so. I've always said to myself, oh, it was real coincidence and kind of like, you know, just real off the cuff that I bumped into JP. The fact is, I was in the right place to meet people of that caliber. Mm-hmm. If it hadn't have been JP, it would have been someone else. In fact, it was someone else. There were a ton of people that I meet. So I always make sure I'm in the right rooms, the right locations, the right places to grow. Yeah, yeah. For someone out there that's thinking like, how do I do that? How do I get into those rooms? What would be like the first place that they can start? Would you say like the first place you start is changing your mindset or the first place you start is just meeting more people or the first place you start is just go do things? What would you say to somebody? Do they want to meet you? So I have a a real dislike for assholes. I don't want to waste (laughs) my time with them. So if you're an asshole, don't get in the room. If you're one of these people that think that you shouldn't be there, don't be there. If you think you can't, you're right. Mm. So first of all, be the person that someone wants to meet and then start going out to networking events and do the little ones. First of all, there's a lot of people that play the old Nirvana line. Here I am. Entertain me. Go in there and contribute. So if you want to go along to a networking event at your local village or something, go to these and question, challenge. Hey, I believe you're involved in that. That sounds great, but how do you do it? You know, learn how to negotiate and learn how to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. Then when you've got that pat, get into a better room of entrepreneurs and you're going to have to pay. There's loads of these different entrepreneurial events. There's baby bathwater. There's mastermind talks. There's uh, Archangel Academy, 25 K annual event. There's a whole ton of amazing ones. Secret knock. How did I miss that one? There's a whole host of these amazing events Hmm. that you pay to get into, but some people pay and then think, right, I've paid. Now what? Be the person that someone wants to communicate with. Be the mindset that someone wants to engage. If you're not, then just park the cars and stay out of the way of everyone that is. That's such a fantastic way of looking at it too. And that's kind of what I wanted to hear was the first thing that you said was about shifting your mindset. I like it because you gave me something philosophically and then you give us something practically. So philosophically, it's about changing your mindset. And like you said, if you think you can't, you're right. If you think you can, you're right. So you have to become the person that people want to connect with and have that confidence and don't be a jerk all the time and be a nice person. But at the same time, now it's starting to, once you have that philosophy, that mindset down, now here's some practical steps, like go to this event, go to that event, get out there, make it happen. And don't think that you're going to be Steve Sims overnight. You know, like it took you a lot of years to be able to connect with the people that you've been able to connect with. Sorry to interrupt. I hope that you see that book and you realize that there's no intelligence here. I was just doing it while you were, you know, crapping your pants about it. (laughs) Anyone can do what I do and anyone can do what I do probably better than I. Now, I've had a 23-year head start. Mm. So I've leapfrogged up my credibility. I remember... You know, you work with the G list before you can get up, you know, higher up, higher up. Now I'm working in the A list. Mm-hmm. I can make calls to the Vatican and Andrea Bocelli and Elton John. You need 23 years to be able to do that. Right. But you can still do it as long as you stop kind of like 
putting it on a pedestal or making out it's impossible before you've even tried. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, so much to pull from everything that you're saying, Steve. And I'm sure I could talk about this kind of stuff with you for a long time because this is really a really interesting topic to me. Obviously, it's what my whole podcast is about. But we do need to move on. We're running out of time. We do move on to the random round, which is basically just a few quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Oh, I'm quite excited and slightly intimidated, but carry on. (laughs) This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Any. As an entrepreneur, I love trying different things. So a chef, that looks like a manic, crazy place. I'd like to become a chef. If you could sit on a park bench with somebody, past or present, and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Margaret Thatcher. As a Brit, the Iron Lady, she did stuff that people told her not to, and I've always admired strong women. So Margaret Thatcher. How do you like to learn best, books, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Is it only those? As far as consuming content. So my answer to that would be getting a mentor as far as learning, but as far yeah, as- Yeah, I like to talk to people. I've got some brilliant advice from like valet boys, from bus drivers, from bricklayers, from motorcycle racers. I like to challenge people's perspective and opinion. So I like to talk to people. I'm actually not a very good networker, which may surprise a lot of people. But I do search out for interesting people and I go, why do you pay attention to that? So I'm constantly asking questions. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Coffee, dogs, feed the dogs, hug the kids in that order. And then uh, check the emails and uh, delete, defer or uh, get ready for the day. What is your go-to pump-up song? Ooh, God, that's a tough one. Pump-up songs. Do you know, I love music. I have a really high-end macintosh system in my house i spent a fortune on the audio and i bought a tv that was like three years old so i listen to music (laughs) rather than watch stuff my eclectic range of music ranges from pearl jam to andrea bocelli so whatever it is i just turn it up and just go for it and i do hit shuffle three times just to see what suddenly appears what are you not very good at taking no for an answer (laughs) yeah that's Perfect answer. Uh, So as we get everything wrapped up here, Steve, what is the best way to connect with you? Well, I'm on all the usual socials under Steve D. Sims. That's Sims with just one M. I'm on stevedsims.com, my website. You can sign up for my newsletter and rants. I'm on YouTube under Steve D. Sims. So those are the places where you can hear me, hear me go off and moan about things. So on your website, do you have all the links to your social media and stuff on there? I do. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook stuff. So, yeah, it's on stevedsims.com. You can find out where to buy the book. You can see my videos. You can sign up for my emails, and you can click on the socials. Perfect. So go check out stevedsims.com, and that's Sims with one M, stevedsims.com. Go connect with him on all your social media platforms, and also please pick up a copy of Blue Fishing to hear more, obviously, in-depth conversation about what Steve's been able to do for some of his clients and how you can try to make things happen for the people in your life. Steve, thanks so much for coming to the show today, man. I had such a blast talking to you. I wish we had more time. I had fun. Cheers, pal. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.